Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you're listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. We're going to, as we always do, go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come right on back and dive into tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, I am your host, Rachel Meiselman. And as always, we just have so much to talk about. Uh, That's the thing about a 24-hour news cycle. There's always information. There's always an event that we're learning about. Uh, there's always uh, a public figure, uh, the minutia of whom uh, we're, we're, I don't know, we're getting informed about. It's it. There's always there's always something. Uh, and so, having said that, speaking of a uh, public figure and the minutia of of. When I say minutia, you know, of course, I'm talking about of of his or her daily life. Um, let's talk about Rachel Rollins. But we're not actually really talking about the minutia, the you know, the everyday happenings uh, that you know she experiences. Are we? We're talking about a news that I think really kind of uh, rocked. Massachusetts politics. Uh, Rachel Rollins, of course, was the DA for Suffolk County, which encompasses uh, Boston, Revere, Chelsea, Winthrop. And, you know, really, I, you know, I always try to be diplomatic, diplomatic, uh, a tactful um, so I'm very candid, but at the same time, I try to be tactful because a lot of people say that they're straight talking, that they're candid. I guess the the term of the day is uh, the phrase of the day is no filter. But really, what a lot of those people are, they're just rude. Okay, that's that's all they really are. They're just rude, and and I don't set out to be rude. I don't set out to be hurtful. Uh, mean, spiteful, any of that. Uh, I'm just, I'm honest, and I, I, I say what I think, and I, I think that's a good thing. Um, particularly <laughs> if you're politically active, uh, civically engaged, which you know, I, of course, I am. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about Rachel Rollins. So she had been the DA, uh, the district attorney, and. Quite frankly, I don't think she ever should have been elected as the district attorney. I think that there were other people who were better qualified. 
um, you know, starting with Greg Henning. And I think that had he been elected, we would not have had all the, what I call the drama, the, the tension, the conflict, the conflicts that we had with Rachel. I, and I think, you know, I, I think that people really need to start getting out and voting. They really do. They, the habit, and, and I don't know if it's more of a thing here or if it's just an American thing, um, but I can tell you here in Boston, we, well, I shouldn't say we because I, I don't really want to include myself in this, uh, but I, I I think a lot of people, they greatly enjoy, they revel and being unhappy, and being critical, and being vitriolic, uh, and and the last last bit, you know, being vitriolic. I think a lot of that is down to believing that they're anonymous. And at the end of the day, I think the more vocal you are, the more noise you make on the internet you're going to give yourself away. I mean, <laughs> there are enough people who are smart enough who pay attention enough that they know what's going on. And, you know, they'll start to notice patterns. They will start to pick up on uh, details that are shared, comments that are made. And and they'll, like I said, yeah, they'll put together a pattern and it's not too long before they suss out who is behind these supposedly anonymous accounts. Um, but, you know, but certainly, yes, vitriolic. Uh, it's amazing what people uh, will say if they don't think that they will be held accountable. My problem with Rachel is, look, wh- let me say this. When I first met Rachel... I liked her as a person, and and I've said this. This, I've, I've I I'm consistent. <laughs> I pride myself on being consistent. Rachel is, um, she can be very personable. She re- she actually really can. And when I met her, uh, that's I I found her very uh, approachable, and I think there was a sincerity about her. I think that she saw herself as maybe a bit of a, a challenge to the status quo, although given her background, the positions that she had held, she was obviously, I mean, at least from my perspective, uh, you know, everything is perspective, right? But certainly as an outspoken individual and someone with an R after her name to boot, you know, for me, she, I mean, she was part of the establishment. It was just that she wasn't as high up, you know, on the pecking order. She wasn't as high up on the political food chain as some other people. Um, I do think she thought of herself, or at least tried to present herself as an alternative to the status quo, though. And she won. And I remember reading 
uh, a piece um, that kind of, it, it didn't do, uh, you know, there wasn't any kind of like a, a deep dive, you know, there wasn't a, a big analysis of the race. It was just, you know, Rachel Rollins won. She won handily. And I, I mean, I, I'm not even going to say that she went in with good intentions, although I'll, I'll assume that. I, I try to give people as much of the benefit of the doubt as I can um, until they give me reason not to. But I think that for me, I think there were other people who were better suited for that role. I think the district attorney, in particular, I mean, really, I don't see any elected office that can benefit from the office holder being an activist, right? Um, And certainly when you're talking about someone who's dealing in the matter, in the realm of law enforcement, you really can't have someone that wants to shake up the system, someone who really, you know, whose rhetoric really lends itself uh, more to a community organizer or, yes, an activist. I mean, but that's not what she was running for. That's not what the office is. And that's that's a, a big problem I have, and I'm, I'm going to do like a little bit of a parenthesis here uh, because it's, uh, it's, it's really actually infuriating when you have people standing up and running for offices and really what they're trying to tell voters is, well, I'm going to reimagine what this can be because we're falling so tremendously short and we're not serving the public. And if you actually listen to these people and you look at their backgrounds and you match it up with what the duty of the office, the duties of the office it are, you say to yourself, okay, this person really is not such a wonderful fit for this office. And this person, should he or she win, is just simply going to set about trying to make this office into a means by which he or she can promote an agenda. And that's not what we need. And I think that, for me, is what Rachel Rollins attempted to do. And I, and I understand, you know, I actually agree with her I, in, in so far as we don't want any of 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 our communities being on a fast track um you know cradle to prison you know yesterday two weeks ago it's crowns you know give it six months and you know <laughs> we're on a path uh toward prison i mean we of course we don't want that we we want all of our communities to thrive and 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 to have access to the resources that the city has. And the city actually really does have a tremendous amount of resources. In fact, we're swimming in resources. Unfortunately, we just don't have enough politicians that are savvy and intelligent and intuitive enough and experienced enough and knowledgeable enough to 
to really kind of wield those resources and and render them accessible and 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 do the work that is necessary to make sure that those resources uh, remain updated, if I could say that, so that uh, we're never talking about uh, something of benefit that is somehow less of um, what work can I use? Less of a benefit, uh, less of uh, a tool um, for the people. I mean, we want to make sure that our resources remain plentiful, but we want to make sure that we refresh them too. And so we really do need uh, elected officials, public servants who who are able to do that. And that requires all, all those um all those qualities that I, I, you know, enumerated, you know, someone who is, um, you know, knowledgeable and, and experienced and intelligent. And, and I spoke, uh, you know, I started off by talking about, you know, having a, a savvy, you know, be, being particularly savvy, having a savviness. It's rather, it's, it's just really important. And, um, you know, if we had more of that, uh, you know, our communities would would certainly prosper, right? Um, but as it is, we don't, and we do have um, some people, and it's not necessarily. I mean, we're not necessarily talking a direct correlation with color, right? And in fact, to always push that narrative, I actually find offensive, you know, because you have people from all different demographics who have uh, a number of issues that can lead, you know, them down the wrong path. And so, you know, I certainly agreed with with uh, Rachel's desire. I applauded her desire to want to be a disruptor, if you will, of, of that particular um, journey, you know, because that's not— it's not something that's positive. We're talking about a dark journey. We're talking about a tragic journey, and we don't want that. Again, we want all of our, all of our communities, all the members of our communities, uh, to to be thriving and and to flourish. Um. So, I, you know, I could certainly find myself on the same page with her in that respect, in that regard. My problem is, though, is how she went about doing that. And I don't think you can get there. I don't think you can disrupt, you can interrupt uh, a nasty cycle, um, create a new, I don't know if I want to use the word narrative, but create um a new uh, community blueprint. Why don't I phrase it like that? I don't know if you can do that, or you. I, I would say you can't. Definitely can't do that if you dispense with personal responsibility. And so, for me, that was the position that she really seemed to adopt. That you know there was always an excuse, and so rather than invest in preventative measures. She thought she would just take a shortcut, which ultimately wasn't really uh, a shortcut because it didn't produce 
the results that she claimed that she wanted. And I should, maybe I shouldn't say claim because I do think that there was a part of her on some level that did want to change the outcomes of some people in some communities. Um, but you got to have personal responsibility. I mean, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, and whenever you're doing it, you need to have, you need to be able to, to assume to take on personal responsibility. And that's so critical. I mean, I know that I do. You know, if at work I'm not doing something right, I, you know, I'll say, oh, you're right. This is what I should have done. In a personal relationship, you know what? You you made a fair point. You know, I, I could have done this differently. You know, you, you have to be able to say things like that and sincerely, right? Personal responsibility. What Rachel could have done is helped change the way some communities view themselves and change, she could have helped change the paths that some communities or some members of, of, of communities convince themselves that they are inevitably going to travel upon. She could have really played a key role and, and really fostering, I think, dynamic change, dynamic, positive, substantive change. But to to get to a point where we disrupted the prison line, you know, the cradles to prison, uh, crayons to prison, uh, uh, prison line, uh, you know, uh, she thought, well, I'm just going to, you know, make a list of, of, of you know, acts, criminal acts that I'm not going to prosecute. And, you know, there were people who defended her and said, well, you know, other DAs had adopted the same stance. We just didn't hear about it. And I appreciate that there might have been other DAs that decided not to prosecute certain crimes. However, those same DAs also recognized that there was a need for personal responsibility and that excuses can't be made every time someone doesn't perform or doesn't do what he or she should do or disappoints, uh, you know, community or himself or herself. So I think that, you know, Rachel kind of stepped into the role and she had an agenda. And I would have liked for her just to be a district attorney. I would have liked for her just to have done the job. And I think that's why Greg Hennon would have been a much much, much better fit. But, you know, we also, uh, you know, well, I, I don't want to include myself in this. <laughs> a lot of people also let, you know, allow themselves to be talked into uh, believing that we had to elect Rachel because 
she was a woman of color. Now, she wasn't the only woman of color because, you know, she wasn't the only woman and she wasn't the only person of color. And she wasn't the only woman of color who ran that year. Um, But I think that, you know, she had the right progressive profile. And that, along with her gender and color, her ethnic background, uh, you know, people thought that, okay, well, this is the way we have to go. And I don't know how to say this delicately. I'm still going to try to be diplomatic because, again, as I said at the very top of the show, that's what I always strive to do. But our public offices, they are not litmus tests as to how open and tolerant and progressive that we are. It's we need to elect the most qualified person. Period. And, you know, always, you know, the hope is that, you know, we have a choice among several well-qualified people. But what has been happening is we have been voting based on profile and based on demographics. And that hasn't done us any favors. It really hasn't. Uh, you know, it's, it, I mean, we could boil this all down to identity politics, which people have been listening to me for a while know that I absolutely hate. I absolutely hate identity politics because, you know, it's, when you have, you know, a situation where you're looking at someone's gender, and there are only two, by the way, <laughs> uh, when you're looking at someone's gender or skin color, ethnic background, baby faith. There's also, unfortunately, you know, among this set, among, among the people who embrace identity politics, there's this, there's this idea about how people who, you know, oh, okay, we can check off this box, we can check off that box, okay, the right profile, okay, boom, bam, boom, you know, you know boom, bada, bam, bada, boom, we got it. Um, you know, there's this, there's this idea of of what these people should believe and what they should think. Because there was another another candidate, again, of color, Linda Champion, and apparently she didn't have the right profile because she was considered more moderate or con- slash conservative. So it's it's a bum deal. This idea about electing people based on race and gender and ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera, to satisfy requirements that are crafted, that are put together by a select segment of our society. Okay? Because no one's ultimately benefiting from voting in people based on identity politics. And so I think that, you know, again, to, to, to bring it right back to Rachel, Rachel Rollins, there were other people that were more qualified than she was. And there's really no other way I could say it. And so she got elected. It was... A rocky tenure, uh, and then she became what the 
but the U.S. attorney. And it's just, it was a promotion that she didn't deserve. And, and we're seeing why, because again, it's when you, when you vote for people and it's not based on their qualifications, sooner or later, the shortcomings, the deficiencies, they're going to, they're going to surface. So, you know, I'm pulling up um, some, some headlines and you know, people referenced her appearance at a fundraiser. And, I mean, if you, you don't even have to be uh, a great politico. If you, (laughs) you could maybe not even really dabble in politics. It's just a matter of common sense. I mean, appearance at a fundraiser, I mean, you can, you know, quick Google search. I mean, you can, you know, look up conflicts of interest, you know, maybe ethical violations. For Rachel Wallens to resign amid this ethics investigation, this probe, I think a person with a modicum of common sense would say, well, there's... There's got to be other things going on. And so we're seeing that that's exactly the case, that there are other things going on. And, and it's a shame because, again, I think Greg Kennan would have been a great DA. I really do. And, you know, our, our community suffered because of Rachel Rollins' Uh, her agenda, her personal agenda, her donor's agenda, her backer's agenda. And I I would say that even though her her time as a U.S. attorney was brief, I I, I would say that, you know, (laughs) uh, the people within her jurisdiction, they suffered too. I mean, it's just, we need people who know what they're doing. We need people who have the qualifications. We need people who want to do the job. (coughs) And there's just no other way to put it. People have to want to do the job. But on that note, I'm going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we got to talk a little bit more about Rachel Rollins. But we're not going to just restrict today's show. I should say, not restrict, but we're not going to make this show revolve around Rachel Rollins. Because she's just the tip of the iceberg, really. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit. Oh, 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 
struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. What is dedication? My daughter started making necklaces. She makes what we call affirmation fashion. I tell her every day that your black is beautiful. Your black is beautiful. And if there's anything better than being beautiful, it's being smart. If there's anything better than being smart, it's being kind. And reaffirming that every day is our method of making sure her chin never drops. My dad wasn't around, and I remember riding a bike and falling off and cutting myself, and me never would just want to get back on it. People ask, how your children learn how to ride a bike, and you didn't. I didn't teach them. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point what their eyes in dat- different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. I am, of course, your host, Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So we went to a quick break, heard uh, some music that I really liked, and then we switched switched it up and went uh, to some ads, and I always try to pick ads with purpose. I, I don't want to just play ads just because, oh, I need a break. Uh, I like to pick ads that really kind of speak to issues that I'm passionate about or issues that I think that we should maybe give a little bit more focus to. But that's just a little, that's just a little like, boop. <laughs> so let me get back to the matter at hand. Uh, before we went on break, I was... You know, talking a lot about Rachel Rollins, <clears throat> who, of course, a uh, U.S. attorney just resigned among um, amid an ethics probe. And, you know, again, I, I'm not looking to pile on Rachel Rollins. I will continue to say that when I met her, I found her very affable. I think that she did. There were some good things that she wanted to do. But I don't think she was a good fit at all for Suffolk County DA. At all. Uh, You know, it's just there's so many different issues that I think she could have really moved on and she didn't. 
She could have done a lot more methanoma. I mean, she, I mean, a lot more. She didn't do anything, really, that I can really remember. So much that she could have done. And as I said, she could have really... She could have actually used the office, as I said, as I as I implied, to really kind of partner with others, with other um, law enforcement agencies, municipal departments, state level departments, even maybe on federal level, she could have <clears throat> crafted entered into collaborations to focus on preventative measures. Now, that's something that she could have done. That's a direction she could have taken the office more in. I mean, not that there weren't already such initiatives in place, but I think she could have built upon them and done more. And that would have been an acceptable refreshing, updating, if you will, of of the office of the Suffolk County DA. And that would have been, I think, entirely acceptable. And it would have ensured this this continuity of of relevancy for that particular office. But that's not what she chose to do. <clears throat> And I think that by the time she, you know, became the U.S. attorney, I think, I think the behaviors and the attitude and just everything that really kind of just stood out in the wrong way, of course, um, during her time as a DA, I just, I think that that was already, it was, it, the mold was cast. And so there was only so much she was going to be able to do as a U.S. attorney, really, because I, I just, she didn't, I just don't think, and she certainly didn't demonstrate otherwise, an ability to reinvent herself as this role demanded. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to say it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Uh, it's, it was just, there were just a number of things that she's done. And what I'll say on a, on a last quick note, um, I remember, so when I was running for Congress in 2020, and she was actually <laughs> communicating with Rayla Campbell, and I've, you know, I've shared that the Massachusetts Republican Party that at the time, under Jim Lyons, Campbell was recruited to run against me. Uh, not against Ayanna, against me. So note the, <laughs> note the distinction. And so I remember at one point, you know, Rayla loves to tell tall tales and someone listening might say, oh, well, prove it or, 
how is that? Or give me an example. And it's like, well, I have given examples. Now, if you don't agree, then that's your prerogative. If you hold a different opinion, that's certainly your prerogative too. But it's my opinion. I am of the belief that uh, Rayla Campbell tells a lot of um, tall tales. <laughs> um, but I did believe her when she was talking about how Rachel Rollins reached out to her. And Rayla is someone who's completely unfit to run for public office, let alone actually hold it. And for Rachel Rollins, I mean, Rachel Rollins, I'm sure saw that. I mean, I, you know, come on. Um, yet she reached out to her and shared some information regarding an appearance by Joe Kennedy. And so, of course, Rayla... It was, you know, Rayla wasn't going to turn down uh, a chance to further get her name out there, not with her ideas or our platform or uh, a particularly insightful remark. No, no, she was going to raise a ruckus. <laughs> so that's what Rayla does. So she went, uh, and, and the idea was to disrupt Joe Kennedy's event. And that really, that stayed with me because I thought that that was a very low-class thing to do on the part of Rayla. Um, but it was perfectly in keeping with who and what Rayla Campbell is. And that's my opinion, and I stick with it. People uh, listening are more than welcome to disagree, and I'll respect that. But I also think that it reflected poorly on Rachel Rollins because <clears throat> even if You find Rayla Campbell's brand of being uh, appealing or refreshing, you know, again, to, you know, employ the word diplomatic, tactful, uh, being tactful, being diplomatic, I would say that she nonetheless remains a loose cannon. And I just, I I didn't like that. I I mean, you know, you're going to try to disrupt an event. You're going to try to, you know, embarrass somebody. You're going to try to make someone look bad. I didn't like that. Yet when Rachel, of course, Rachel Rollins, when she was heckled, and she was heckled by uh, a man that, you know, I'll— discuss him at one point, you know, at one point, maybe not necessarily tonight, but I'll discuss him at one point. Um, you know, she was heckled and she didn't handle that well. But, you know, she was all for having the opponent of the candidate who was the incumbent, that whom she was supporting, she was all for having Joe Kennedy be embarrassed or... Uh, you know, just kind of throwing him off to make him look bad because she was supporting the incumbent, Ed Markey. So that really left an incredibly bad taste in my mouth. But I think that if we want to talk about politicians and politicians not getting it right, about politicians not being useful, about politicians causing more problems than they're worth. 
uh, we can't just limit our conversation to Rachel Rollins. And that's why I don't want tonight's conversation to just revolve around her. You know, let's talk about the Boston City Council. The Boston City Council has devolved into something that is, quite frankly, it's, it's embarrassing, even humiliating. You know, when you think about Boston, I remember years ago when I lived abroad. When I lived abroad, there were probably <laughs> no more than 20% of Americans who held, a, who held a passport. And I don't even think it was that much. It could have been like closer to 15. But let's say about 20%. Let, let's, let's, you know, 20, maybe 25% of Americans held a passport. But again, I don't think it was quite that much. Uh, I don't, uh, at all. <laughs> you know, but I remember when I was, you know, abroad, uh, you know, it was the 90s um, and right through, you know, the early 2000s. When I said that I was from Boston, I remember people's reaction. And as someone who grew up here, I... I remember how I felt. It was this great feeling of pride. It was, it just, it felt so good, you know, to say, well, I'm from this place and people not only knew it, I mean, in Boston is the world-class city, so I wasn't surprised even that they knew it, but it was, it was, but it was just still nice. You know, you know that people know Boston or New York or Chicago or Miami or L.A., you know, these, these different, you know, well-known big cities. And and for people who are like, Boston big? Well, yes, actually, Boston is big. Boston is, is a big city. For a big city, it's small, but it's a big city nonetheless. And with our, um, you know, our greater metropolitan area, it's, it's, uh, with that, we have like, oh my gosh, one of the biggest populations, uh, in the, in the country, I believe. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you guys, uh, with, with, uh, precise numbers on that. But yeah, Boston, you know, we're, <laughs> we're a big city in our own right. Um, but you know, even if we weren't, you know, it's, that's, I mean, our size isn't what makes us special. I guess that's where I, I you know, I'm, I'm going or I started to go. Or I want to go. Uh, it's it's who we are and it's our it's our legacy. It's our history. It's our culture. And then, so it was this great feeling of pride. And the second thing after, you know, people said, oh, Boston, there was also this this sense of Wow, Boston is, it's refined. People are intellectual. People are learned. It's a city that has great history. It has a tremendous legacy of standing up for human rights and for ensuring that all are able to live with dignity. It has it has really an incredible legacy. Now, obviously, there have been different chapters in the city's history that are less impressive than others, that have been more 
tumultuous than others, that have been darker than others. Um, but we are a city that has an unbelievably impressive list of firsts that can boast of having uh, a being a place of, of first. And so I think about how I felt, how people reacted upon hearing that I was from Boston, and then I'm thinking about what's going on in the city today. We're not educating our children. And now we have elected officials. They don't know how to speak, some of them. They, I mean, I I look at some of the posts that some of our elected officials put up, and I say, my goodness gracious, there are people who don't speak English as a first language, and they express themselves better than you do. If you look at the Boston City Council in particular, people are fighting, they're arguing. My favorite is, or my favorite part of all, all that, all, all you know, all the the infighting, and 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 uh, I mean, I could almost go as far as say skullduggery, right? Um, my favorite part of all that is instead of condemning all of it across the board, what most people do is they'll condemn those who are engaging in it, those who don't share their their views, right? So let's say if you're more on the political right or you're identifying more on the political right these days, then you're going to probably condemn Julia Mejia. You're going to condemn Kendra Lara. You're going to con- condemn Tanya Fernandez-Anderson. What about Aaron Murphy? <laughs> I would put Aaron Murphy in the same group as, as as those three women, right? I mean, it's it's when there was one meeting in particular that was so shocking that it actually made headlines. There was there were articles about the behavior that had transpired. I mean, Kendra Lara was not fighting with herself. She was fighting. I mean, her her her. Anger was directed at Erin Murphy. And Erin Murphy did nothing to de-escalate the situation. She was just as bad. But if you're on the political right, that behavior coming from Erin Murphy is, is, is just fine, right? She's just standing up for herself. She's just standing up for you. If Julia, Tanya, and Kendra engage in that behavior, they're bad, they're inappropriate. And I'm hearing one too many people, from my taste, on the political right, who want to bring in color. And I'm like, okay, so if you want to talk about people who don't know how to conduct themselves, you better have something to say about Anyone, regardless of color, who engages in behavior that is indecorous, that is not something that we would expect to see a witness in the Ionella Chamber. And for those who are less familiar with City Hall, the Ionella Chamber is where uh, the Boston City Council generally meet. So I have a problem with that. I am on the political right, of course. 
But I don't like hypocrisy. I don't like it at all. So again, if you're going to criticize Kendra Lara, you better criticize Erin Murphy too. Okay? And for the people on the left, I have the same criticism. Again, you point out different instances where Erin Murphy is not appropriate. You know what? Good for you. Now do that with Tanya. Now do that with Kendra. Now do that with Julia. I mean, it's... Bad behavior is bad behavior. It doesn't suddenly become good behavior or acceptable behavior or behavior that you're going to describe as something completely different as something else because you like what the person is saying, because the person is saying what you want to hear. All right? So, again, you know, this is another example of people being elected to offices and they're just not the best fit. Interestingly, I am seeing more from Tanya, Tanya Fernandez-Anderson. Um <coughs> I'm seeing more from her lately where she's trying to do the job of city councilor, but I'm going to have to see a lot more. But I'm happy to see that she's at least making the effort. But again, it's it's critical that whoever holds public office that they understand the purview of the office. You can't just make it into something that you want it to be. You can't make it into something that you understand a little bit better. If you don't understand fully what the responsibilities of an office is, then my goodness gracious, don't run for it. You're wasting people's time and you're actually hurting them. You know, the Boston City Council, <clears throat> I mean, currently, you have people like Michael Flaherty, Ed Flynn, and yes, I'm going to say Frank Baker. These men are carrying, essentially, they're, doing, they're, they're responsible for carrying the city council on its back, on their backs, excuse me. They're doing most of the heavy lifting. Again, if you want the privilege of holding office, if you're lucky enough to be able to enjoy that privilege, then you need to know what you're doing. You need to know how to hold yourself, to carry yourself, to conduct yourself. And you need to understand and remember that you are held to a higher standard. You really are. People do look up to you. Now, let's be clear. That doesn't mean that because people look up to you that you're above them. You work for them as the public servant. Having said that, because you are in the public eye, you are held to a higher standard of behavior. Very recently, Michelle Wu 
it was it was interesting because she played piano. Um, you know, she you know she performed, and it was it was really funny to see people's reaction. You know, people were calling her elitist, and they were talking about how she was, um, you know, fiddling while Rome burns. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you're you taking Michelle to task. Um, you're taking her to task for playing alongside the Boston Symphony Orchestra. But what's wrong with that? If you want to criticize her performance as the mayor, then do that. But to show that she has a skill and that she has some decorum or that she or that she has some grace or that she has a talent, there's nothing wrong with that. And quite honestly, if people had such a big problem with Michelle Wu, then maybe th- maybe more than 33% of the registered voters should have come out and exercised <laughs> their civic duty. But we're going we're gonna to stop it right there because, as always, there's always so much to say and there's always so much more to say. That's all we have time for. But I'm going to pick up where we left off next week. As always, thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, Call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.